Hi there. Welcome back, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of Conversations with Father Greg. I was off for a week last week, but today we're back with an episode for Sunday, June 5th, which is Pentecost Sunday. Let's take a few minutes to think about what is often considered to be the birthday of the Christian Church. We'll begin with a reading from John's Gospel. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. Philip said to Jesus, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, but if you do not believe, then believe me because of the works themselves. Very truly I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and, in fact, will do greater works than these, because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If, in my name, you ask me for anything, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he abides with you, and he will be in you. The Gospel of Christ May I speak to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, hi there, everyone. As I mentioned just a moment ago, Pentecost Sunday is often considered to be the birthday of the Christian Church because it recalls the arrival of God's Spirit, which offers to spark a new kind of life among faithful Christians, empowering us to live out our mission in the world. So let me begin by wishing you all a happy birthday. When we celebrate Pentecost, our minds often go to this reading from the book of Acts in which Luke describes Jesus' disciples gathered in a house in Jerusalem. Suddenly, the house was filled with something that sounded like a rushing, violent wind. As the sound settled, the disciples were equipped with the ability to communicate in languages that they had not previously understood. God gave them the ability to overcome the language barrier and to teach others about God and God's Son, Jesus. In this story, God's Spirit makes a very dramatic entrance, but not all entrances are dramatic. Today I would like us to turn our attention to a reading from John's Gospel. John's Gospel talks about the arrival of God's Spirit in a much more subtle and nuanced way. In John's Gospel, Jesus had just warned the disciples that he would be leaving them so that he could go and prepare a place for them with God. We see Philip responding to this news by asking Jesus to reveal God to him, 
and to the rest of the disciples. Jesus' initial response was that if Philip and the rest had truly known him and had been paying attention, then they would not need to ask to be shown the Father. Jesus goes on to say that he and the Father are intertwined, and that one is very much the reflection of the other. The two exist in a relationship that is both intimate and reciprocal. It is this relationship that allows Jesus to do the things that he did. Yet, everything that Jesus had done was an expression of the Father at work in the world. I can almost imagine Jesus asking Philip, Haven't you been paying attention? Everything that I have been doing and saying has been pointing you to God. Jesus went so far as to tell them that if they don't believe his words, then they should just look at his actions. All the miracles and all the teachings, they were all revelations of who God is. The proof is in the pudding. Jesus went on to promise his followers that they would experience God's Spirit. It is God's Spirit that would empower the faithful to act in Jesus' name. Now, this concept of asking for something or functioning in Jesus' name is important. It means seeking to engage the world in the same kind of way and with the same kind of purpose as Jesus did. This means learning to live compassionately, to offer healing and restoration wherever possible, and to nourish those who are physically and spiritually hungry. Jesus pointed people in God's direction by doing the things of God. He then called his followers to do likewise. And yet, because he knew that we cannot do it on our own steam, he offered us a companion to help us achieve the goal. The fact that God's Spirit equips us to do things which we could not ordinarily do is an important piece of the puzzle. New Testament scholar Mita Stamper puts it this way, The promise of the Spirit does not come to completely faithful, courageous people, already loving one another and the world boldly, already worshipping in spirit and in truth. God's Spirit comes in the midst of confusion and fear, which has made the disciples unable to grasp what Jesus is saying, and it is the answer to that. This is great news because it assures us that we don't have to have it all figured out. Someone once said that God does not call those who are already equipped for the task. In fact, it's the other way around. God equips those that God calls for the task at hand. We begin to see that the presence of God's Spirit in our lives is genuinely a gift in the truest sense of the word. It is not something that we earn, nor is it something that we can reproduce. Yet it would be impossible for us to do the work of God without this gifting. Let's not forget that in Acts, Luke describes God empowering willing people and enabling them in ways and to do things that they had never imagined were possible. 
They spoke in languages that they had not previously understood so that they could help other people come to a genuine encounter with God. The fact that God equips us for the tasks to which we are called is an essential building block that helps us understand the next portion of this text from John. As our Gospel reading for today closes, we hear Jesus tell his disciples that if they love him, they will keep his commandments. That invites us to ask about what those commandments are. In Mark's Gospel, we read that Jesus once summarized the entire Jewish law by saying, Love the Lord your God with all your passion and prayer and intelligence. That is the most important, the first on any list. But there is a second set alongside it. Love others as well as you love yourself. These two commands are pegs. Everything in God's law and the prophets hangs from those two pegs. In comparison, Luke's Gospel records Jesus instructing his disciples to love their enemies, to do good to those that hate them, to bless those that curse them, and to pray for those that abuse them. On another occasion, we see Jesus sharing a meal with his disciples. He stoops down and washes their feet, and when he's done, he tells them that he's giving them a new commandment to love others just as he loves them. If we string these things together, we begin to see that Jesus gave his followers a law of radical compassion. It's a way of life that seeks to bring healing and wholeness to a world that is all too often plagued by pain and brokenness. It's about intentionally recognizing others as being made in the image of God, striving to meet their needs and seeking to ensure that others can live justly. It's a tall order, and often beyond our natural ability. But it's not impossible. In fact, it can only be accomplished through partnership with God's Spirit. It's only through this partnership with God that we are genuinely able to say, Glory to God! whose power working in us can do infinitely more than we can ask or imagine. Glory to God from generation to generation, in the Church and in Christ Jesus, forever and ever. Amen. <laughs>